Hey there, it's Lauren Hooker, and this is the podcast version of my weekly LChat live stream. The video version of this episode has some really useful visuals, a comment section to interact with other viewers, and even a short Q&A at the end. So if you want to check that out, head on over to ellencompanydesign.com slash LChat, where you'll find this and lots of other episodes. Thanks so much for tuning in. Hey there, and welcome to LChat, a weekly power hour of practical tips and strategies to help you start and scale your creative business. I'm your host, Lauren Hooker, and in today's episode, I'm sharing 12 proven strategies for increasing your website traffic today. Your website is your business's online home base. It's where all the action happens, so it's necessary to drive traffic to your website in order to increase sales and bookings. But the struggle to get people to your website is all too real. You might lean on SEO tricks or think that you need some large following in order to drive traffic, but I'm here to tell you that there are more effective ways. Let's dive in. And so I'm just going to go ahead and jump into the content because we have a lot to cover today. Um, We're going to cover 12 proven strategies for increasing your website traffic. Um, I was actually talking to a guy the other day. His name is Rob, and he's from this area. He has a barber shop that is doing an awesome job in Florence um, and has a huge following on social media. He's booked out. This is a male barber, not a women's hair place that's booked out for months and months. And so he's doing an awesome job with clients, but he's trying to move into products. And in order for that to happen, he needs to be able to have a lot of website traffic because that's where he's selling his products. He has them in a shop, but if he's going to expand his reach, he needs to be able to have an online shop. And in order for that to work, he needs more website traffic. So he had reached out to me, heard about me from a mutual friend. We met up for coffee And he was telling me about all the things he was trying to do to increase his website traffic. He was um, hiring someone for SEO. He was doing tips and tricks on the back end of his website to increase SEO. He even um, considered, or he actually started a community blog writing about um, human trafficking and all these issues that he was passionate about, thinking that having a blog would be helpful for his business. And it is. his approach may have been a little bit different because the people he was trying to reach with his products may not have necessarily been interested in those causes that he was interested in. So we sat down and talked for about an hour. Um, I could have talked to him a lot longer. His eyes got big as I talked about all the things that he could be doing differently to drive traffic. And I really wish that I had um, recorded the whole thing or recorded it live because as I As I sat there, I was thinking, I know so many people who follow along with these L chats, follow along with L and company, and um, could really benefit from our session um, together that I had with Rob. And so that's where the idea for this L chat came in. I'm going to be sharing with you tips apart from SEO, apart from even having a huge following for increasing your website traffic. Because as you all know, if you've been following along for any length of time, I like to call your website your online home base. It's where all the magic happens. It's where people become familiar with your products and services. It's where they can reach out to you and book your services and inquire. It's where people can purchase your products right on your website. 
Um, it's where people can sign up for your mailing list. You can grow your mailing list. It's where all the important action takes place, especially for online business owners. And so it's really important that you drive traffic to your website. The more traffic you, you get, the easier it is to sell your products and services online. Um, and the more and more people who come to your website, the higher your SEO is going to be. Um, just a few things about, about SEO that will kind of hopefully cause you to think a little bit differently about it. It's not bad to think about, um, especially when it comes to site traffic, but um, it once you know how Google works and operates, they're trying to match um, someone's search. So someone searches for blogging with Squarespace. They're trying to match that search with the best result, with the most relevant result um, for the for the person who searched it. And so there are a couple things that Google looks to. Google's gotten really smart um, and they don't want to connect people to um, sites that have done all of these things for SEO optimization, but they're really not the best fit. And so Google will actually rank your site higher for searches if you update your site often. Um, a site that just sits there and is never updated isn't going to rank high in Google. Um, it's not going to be as relevant. If you don't have a lot of pages on your website, you're also not going to rank very high in Google. If you don't have very many people linking back to your website, you're not going to rank very high on Google. And if you don't have a lot of keywords on your site, you're not going to rank very high either. And so that's why I asked y'all if you blog. Um, and in the poll section, I'm going to look at that. Um, it looks like some of you post once a week, most of you post sporadically, um, some of you don't have a blog at the moment, but you might consider having one, and um, one of you says you don't plan to start one. <laughs> so um, if you haven't weighed in, feel free to weigh in there. The reason I asked about that is your SEO is automatically going to increase, and your site traffic too, if you have a blog. Um, so that's my disclaimer when I'm for starting this webinar. I am going to not assume, but hope that you're already blogging because what incentive will people have to visit your website if it is never updated, if there's nothing in it for them, if they go to a website every single time and it hasn't changed, why are they going to want to come back to that website? The key to driving site traffic isn't getting new visitors every time. It's getting a new visitor and keeping that visitor coming back because chances are they aren't going to land on your website one time and choose to book your services or buy your products. They're going to have to get more familiar with your business and then keep coming back to your website. And a blog is a great way to familiarize people with your business and build that trust. A blog is a great way to update your site often, to increase the number of pages on your website, to increase the number of links back to your website, and to have tons of keywords so that you rank higher for those keywords. Um, your, your chances of ranking higher in SEO will go through the roof if you just commit to blogging. And a blog gives people a reason to come back time and time again because there's going to be new content there for them. So a lot of these tips do have to revolve around blogging. If you already have a blog, I hope this encourages you to be blogging more often and gives you some ideas for how you might um, up your blog game to increase your site traffic. You might be doing a few things wrong, um, or you could be doing a few things better. Or if you don't have a blog, um, I hope that the, 
that this webinar or podcast, if you end up listening to the audio version, um, encourages you to start blogging, gives you some reasons and some motivation because I can tell you, apart from the Ellen Company blog, I wouldn't have very much site traffic at all. It's probably how most of you heard about Ellen Company in the first place. So I'm gonna dive into these um, 12 proven strategies. Some of them have to do with blogging, some of them do not, but feel free to ask questions as we go and I'll try to leave enough time to answer them all at the end. All right, number one is to creatively use social media to point people to new content on your website. Now, I'm not talking about using social media just to say, hey, I have a new post up today on Facebook. That's kind of boring. Um, I'm saying to creatively use social media, and there have been some new tools that have come out recently that will help you do this. Um, social media, a lot of people treat it as the end game. And if social media isn't driving any traffic to your website, it's not doing you much good. Um, so for example, Rob, who I mentioned just a few minutes ago, 17,000 followers on social media, and he was seeing, or on Instagram in particular, and he was seeing no, no traffic, hardly any traffic from Instagram back to his website. So no one was purchasing. Those were all potential customers, but none of them were interested in his products or interested enough to buy them. Um, so if you aren't using social media as a funnel back to your website, you're missing out on a great opportunity. I know I can get stuck in a rut of sharing stuff on social media and forgetting why am I sharing what I'm sharing. It's a great place to build engagement, but I should be also looking at how I can use it um, and how I can creatively use it to funnel people back to my website. So just a few ideas. Also, if you have a blog, you're giving, you have content to share. You don't have to keep coming up with creative ways to say, um, go visit my about page or the pages that you have on your website. You actually have content that can benefit your audience that you can point people to and drive traffic that way. So some ideas for engagement. Share the story behind why you wrote a blog post on Facebook Live. Um, Facebook Live is a great opportunity to engage with your audience and point people to your website. Um, you should have a call to action at the end, uh, just like you would in any blog post or hopefully any social media post. How's it gonna encourage people to take action? And that action should be back to your website. So share the story behind why you um, created that piece of content. Or share a sneak peek, um, or pique people's interest. Don't give them the whole story. Um, pique their interest and, and encourage them to go back to your blog to read more. You can do this through Instagram stories too. I've been trying to do this every time I have a new blog post. Um, the other day, it was Tuesday, I shared a post about my business expenses and shared the tools I use and how much I spend on them. And so on Instagram, I just said, have you ever wondered how people spend money in their business? Go be nosy, check out the blog. And I ended up getting over 7,000 unique visitors um, to that post from using social media, both on the Facebook group, um, the Ellen Company community, and mainly through Instagram stories um, and using that swipe up feature. So that is a more engaging way instead of just saying, here's the post. 
um, asking a question, sharing a little sneak peek encourages people to go actually read it. And then um, sharing a meme or a GIF related to your post on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. It shouldn't be boring. It should be fun and engaging. Think about um, how you can do that through social media and point people back to your website. If you have a shop, um, some shop owners that I follow along with and love will share just bits and pieces of new products and will say go to the website to see more. Um, or you can, I would encourage you if you do have products, have a blog too. It's not just for service owners or service-based businesses. Um, so think about how you can get creative with that. But with blogging, it's super helpful because you have content to point people to on social media. Number two, implement smart design. So like I said a moment ago, the goal isn't to have several one-time visitors. It's to create return visitors. Um, and the way that you do that has a lot to do with how you organize and design your website. Of course I say this, I'm a designer, but it's true. If you come to a website, it's easy to navigate. You can easily find the content you're looking for. You're gonna stay on that website and spend time on it. And the benefits of keeping people on your site longer are that they become more familiar with your offerings. If you're mentioning them in blog posts, if they see keep seeing the same things come up over and over again, whether it's a content upgrade or a course that you're launching, whatever it is, they're becoming more familiar with it the longer they stay on your site. The longer they stay on your site, um, the more likely you are increasing trust and establishing expertise. If they are seeing what you're writing about and they're really enjoying it and they're seeing how it's benefiting them, you're becoming an authority on that topic. Um, you're becoming an expert and a go-to in their mind. Um, the longer they stay on your site, they're also more likely to share and bookmark your content. If they find it helpful, they're probably gonna pin it to Pinterest, whether it's a product or a blog post, um, or they're probably gonna bookmark it so that they can come back to it later. If they stay on your site longer, they have um, a higher likelihood to return to. And that's the hope, is that you can continue to drive that traffic, keep more people coming back. It's just like that, um, that saying, actually that truth, that it's less expensive to retain a customer or client than it is to find a new customer or client. So make sure that you're doing your due diligence to set up your site in a way that's encouraging first-time visitors to return to your site again and again and again. And here are some um, just quick ways that you can do that. The first is to unclutter your navigation. If you have a ton of items in your navigation menu, it's going to be overwhelming for people. Um, so you should have three to six max in your top navigation. You can also use a bottom navigation um, if you have too many items. So for me, I have the most important pages of my website in my top navigation. I have four um, pages up there, and then below I have six in my bottom navigation. Um, but you should make it very simple so people know exactly where you want them to click. And as they venture around on the website a little bit more, they'll come across that bottom navigation and see um, not the least important pages, but those that are less important than the ones at the top. Um, but if you have more than six, definitely consider cutting down on the number of pages in your navigation. Number two is to utilize a blog sidebar. There's a lot of back and forth about this. Somebody in the Ellen Company community Facebook group um, asked about this last week. And um, a blog sidebar, 
you might like how simple it looks to not have one, um, but it's a great way to get people to new content, to your products, to see what else is on your site. Because chances are they come across a blog post or something um, on Pinterest, for example, and they'll click on it and they only see that blog post. Well, if they see the blog sidebar, another blog post might catch their eye. One of your products might catch, catch their eye. Your social media buttons might catch their eye and then they'll follow along with you on social media. And so it's really important um, if you want them to come back, if you want to, want to point them to other content on your website, if you want um, to increase the amount of time someone's staying on your website, utilize a blog sidebar. Um, number three is to share related posts. So if someone makes it all the way down to the bottom of your blog post, you know that they really enjoyed that post. And so you want to connect them with other similar related content that they would be interested in as well. So you can do a related post section at the bottom of your blog post to keep them on your website, point them to other content that would be helpful for them, keep them on your page longer. Um, you, there's different plugins for this if you use WordPress. If you use Squarespace, you can use what's called a summary block. And I use the gallery summary, summary block. And I'll usually choose a category that's similar to that blog post. So if I wrote on Squarespace, I want to connect them to other Squarespace posts. So I just sort um, that summary block by the Squarespace category, if that makes sense. I have um, a blog post on that on the Ellen Company site if you're interested. Number four is to create easily accessible archives. So um, you want to be able to point people to, to um, other blog posts. And so make your other blog posts that you spend a lot of time on easily accessible. I like to have, so if you go to the Ellen Company website and scroll down to the bottom navigation, you can see um, an archive page. Up at the top of that archive page, I have my six different blog categories so they can sort and search by the blog categories. They can search um, for a specific post or topic with a little search bar. And then under that, I just have them grouped by the most recent post. So October 2017, below that's September 2017. Um, so to get them to stay on my page longer, I want to make my archives easily accessible. I link to them in my bottom navigation. I link to them in the blog sidebar. Um, so I would encourage you to do something along the lines of that too because some of the best feedback I get is, Lauren, I found your website and I found your archives and I stayed on your site for two hours. That's like music to my ears. Um, so the same should be true for you and chances are if they spend two hours on your website, they are going to return later as well. All right, number three, put a greater emphasis on your headlines. Eight out of 10 people are going to read your headline, but only two out of 10 will actually read your content or come back um, to your site. So whether you're sharing a headline, whether it's a blog post title, or you're sharing a headline about whatever it is you're trying to promote on social media um, to get people back to your website, you need to really think about your headlines and how to make them catchier. There's a couple keys to writing great headlines. And the first is to actually write your headlines first. So if you're writing a blog post, write your blog post title first and view it as a promise because then you can frame your whole blog post around it. That's kind of your goal that you're writing for. Um, 
Second is to use keywords that will appeal to your audience. Using keywords in your headlines is crucial. Um, and it's also really great for SEO too and people finding your content down the road. Um, three, focus on the benefits of, that, of the content. What are people going to get out of it? How can they benefit from it? Four, utilize lists and prime numbers. Um, instead of sharing 50 blog post ideas um, or 50 no-fluff content-rich blog post ideas, I should have shared 51. There's something about prime numbers and unexpected numbers that get people's interest more than, um, more than other numbers. And five, use unexpected words, words that are going to catch people's attention. Um, a resource for headlines that I love and return to all the time is um, from Copyblogger. I actually have the link right here for those of you who are tuning in live. Um, they have an ebook that's for free called How to Write Magnetic Headlines, and it has a lot of really great information in there. So if you're struggling with your headlines, you're struggling to get people back to your website from your headlines. Spend some time reading over that ebook. It won't take you very long. It's easily digestible. And they even have some formats for setting up your headlines as well. And this goes for other pages on your website too. Um, the way that you title the pages on your website makes a huge difference as to whether people are going to stay there and actually, um, actually read the content or look at the content on that page. All right, number four, write longer, high-quality blog posts. Um, a headline isn't going to do you much good if you don't have really great content or a really great blog post to back it up. Um, a lot of people debate on whether long posts are best or short posts are best. And um, content marketer Neil Patel, if y'all don't follow Quick Sprout, you should. His blog is super helpful. He is a content marketing genius um, and is a pro at driving traffic. And he swears by posts needing to be long. Um, and he says the reason, just a few short reasons, is that everyone else writes less than 500 words. Um, so to differentiate yourself, post more than 500 words. He says you should be posting over 3,000 words. Um, my minimum is usually 1,200, especially if you have some good visuals in there, like screenshots or photos. Um, he says that your posts also need to be long because it's good for backlinks and organic leads. The longer your post is, the more keywords are automatically going to be there, um, the more opportunity you have for backlinks, linking to other um, websites from your post, and then also for people linking back to you. It's also great because you become the go-to on that topic. If you're able to really expand on what you're talking about and share a lot of helpful information instead of just sharing an overview and breezing through it, um, people aren't going to trust you very much. But if you share a really long post and it's detailed, readers are going to find everything they need right there in that blog post. They're probably going to share it or bookmark it to come back to it because it becomes a resource. And Neil Patel says it has staying power and it also has the ability to be repurposed. Um, so those long blog posts are super helpful. Also, people scan posts. Um, 
we all do it. You get to a blog post and you just find yourself scanning it. You're looking at the subheaders um, and you're just breezing through it, and that's fine. But if you have a blog post that's less than 500 words, people are easily going to breeze through it, and there isn't going to be meaty content for them if they do want to read it in detail. And so if you write a long blog post, you're giving people the option of whether to breeze through it and scan it or really dive into it and read it and take a lot away from it. Um, so it's better for you to post less and have really long posts than it is for you to post often and have less than 500 words. It isn't really going to do you much good. You're not going to really dive into that topic. Um, so your posts need to be long. So um, try to write more than 1,200 words would be my um, challenge to you. Neil would tell you that it needs to be over 3,000, which I find a little overwhelming, um, but 1,200 is usually a good, a good word count to shoot for. Um, number five is to increase your post frequency and consistency. If you aren't sharing new content regular, regularly, people don't have much of an incentive to return to your site time after time after time. Um, if you're sharing maybe once a month, people aren't going to remember that, and you're not giving people much of a reason um, to come back to your site often. If you're sharing once a week and you share every Monday at 6 a.m., people will know on, on that Monday that they can come to your site and see new content, or even if they just come once every two weeks, they'll see a couple new posts there. Um, I remember when I first started blogging or taking blogging seriously. I was posting every weekday, which was a lot. My husband was in grad school at the time, no kids. Um, I was able to put 12 hours into um, Ellen Company every workday, which was a little crazy at the time, but it paid off. And it was so consistent that um, people would build it into their routine and go to the Ellen Company blog every morning. And on a couple days where I wasn't able to get a new blog post up, I got tweets and emails asking of people asking, Lauren, are you okay? You didn't get a new blog post up. And that was the benefit of posting frequently and posting consistently. Am I telling you you need to blog every weekday? No. Um, I would say at least once a week if you really want to see some traction and you really um, want people to start coming to your site and increasing your website traffic quickly. Um, so that's what I would shoot for. Once a week, 1,200 words or more, um, but it'll really pay off in the long run to increase that site traffic. Um, if you need help with blogging, if you're a subscriber to the Ellen Company Library, there's a blog launch checklist in there, editorial calendar. There are a lot of blogging resources, um, so you can find that in the Ellen Company Library. Um, if you aren't subscribed but you're interested, you can find it on the Ellen Company site under products. Number six, use your list to point people back to your website. So your mailing list and your blog can work hand in hand because your blog is going to be driving traffic to your website and your website is where people are going to be um, signing up for your list. So use your list to point people back to your website, point people back to new products, new blog posts, new content. They work hand in hand. Um, and so, like I said, your mailing list points people to your website, and your website points people to your ma mailing list. Um, a couple keys to driving traffic to your website from your mailing list is to consider segmenting your list. 
So this is something that we're actually trying to do with Ellen Company right now, allowing people to sign up just if they want to see new blog content, just if they want to see um, new LChat, new LChat that's going live every week if that's what they're interested in, or they just want to receive the weekly newsletter, or they want to receive all three. We're giving them the choice, um, but it's helpful for seeing what content people are interested in and pointing them back to it. Also use one call to action. When you are sending an email out to your list and you're trying to point them to content, um, use one call to action. So if you write about a blog post and you're writing you know, why you wrote it and you're trying to get people there, um, don't share the whole blog post. Maybe just share the intro and share one link to the blog post and no other links. By limiting that call to action, you're able to drive traffic exactly where you want it. Um, and that should be back to your website. So any new products, any new posts, anything new on your website, you can use your mailing list to point people back to it. Um, number seven, make guest appearances on other blogs, on other podcasts, or other webinars. Something that you might find already is that markets can, can become very ingrown. And what I mean by that is the same people are there, the same people are following along with all the same people. Um, those people are networking with each other. And so there's just, it can become kind of ingrown and you might hit kind of this plateau where you feel like you aren't reaching anyone new. And so if you're making guest appearances on other blogs that might be similar to your industry, you can get creative with, um, with what blogs those might be. If you're reaching out to people who host podcasts and webinars, it's a great way to reach new audiences and get outside of your current reach um, and your current ingrown market. Now, a couple helpful tips for this is that um, blogging, podcasting, and hosting webinars is going to increase your authority and credibility before reaching out. So if you are just starting from scratch, you might want to start blogging Maybe start a podcast, maybe start a webinar. You don't have to do all three um, before you reach out to someone to kind of show your credibility and demonstrate your expertise. Um, because if you don't have any proof to back up why you're an expert on whatever subject you want to write about or talk about, um, chances are you're not going to have a great shot about of getting on with them especially if they want to see how you are on how you are doing live. If you are, can, and I'm stumbling over my words right now, which is hilarious because I was about to say if someone is well-spoken and can do well on a live webinar or well-spoken and can do well on a podcast or writes really well, if they're trying, if you're trying to get onto a blog. Um, so it kind of provides that proof. Something that I've tried doing because I don't put enough time on going on the offensive um, to reach out to new markets is to set aside time to reach out to industry leaders once a month. And something that Jake has, my husband Jake, who's very business minded and um, has a lot of straightforward ideas that I should have thought about before. But he said, Lauren, you should just have an outreach day. So once a month, reach out to new people that you want to invite on the L chat, reach out to other people who might have blogs and podcasts and webinars that I might be able to be featured on so that I can expand my reach. So I'd encourage you to do the same. I'll let you know how that goes. That would be my suggestion on this one. Number eight, narrow the focus of your blog. People don't like it when I say this one. I didn't like it when um, Jake said this to me years ago. But if you're writing about everything, 
you're not going to become known for anything. Narrowing the focus of your blog can really help you become known for something and become the expert on something. So if you're writing about this, that, and the other, you're writing about fashion and recipes and the, and a design post from, um, you know, every now and then, people aren't going to be interested in all of that content. The people who are interested in recipes aren't going to be interested in your fashion posts or your design posts. And I'm saying this because I shared all of the above <laughs> when I was first starting out, so I feel like I have a right to say this. Um, and it was when I narrowed it down and, and wrote for ideal clients and customers that people started coming back. And so if you want to increase your site traffic, narrow the focus of what you're blogging about and um, what you're offering people. Number nine, focus on shareable content. If you're relying on yourself to get all the traffic, so if you're relying on your own social media shares to get all the traffic to your website, you're doing yourself a huge disadvantage because referral traffic can drive so much more traffic and it increase it exponentially. Um, so make your content shareable and you can do this through a lot of different methods. Videos are super shareable. Um, infographics, people love sharing infographics and pinning infographics. Um, hold on, I had a whole list here and I'm not even looking at my notes in Google Docs. Yeah, list posts are hugely popular. How-tos and tutorials, people love sharing that. Current events, if you're writing about something that just happened, so if Squarespace came out with a new feature or um, when Instagram stories came out or something like that and you wrote about it, that's going to be highly shareable because it's relevant and it's a current event. Polarizing posts do really well. Um, if you're... If you're willing to go there, if you have an opinion on something, um, polarizing posts can be really helpful for driving traffic because they're highly shareable as well. Oh, and had this all on a slide. Look at that. Videos, list posts, infographics, current events, polarizing posts, how-tos, and tutorials. Things to consider for creating shareable content. Make sure that your content is actually worth sharing and always ask yourself why people should care. If there isn't anything in it for them, or any value in it for them, they're not going to share it because they don't see any value that it would bring other people either. So make sure you're always asking yourself why other people should care um, about whatever it is that you're writing about. Number 10, if you're trying to create shareable content but you aren't making it easy for others to share your posts, you're doing yourself a huge disservice. So make sure that share buttons are easy to access, whether it's on a blog post or whether it's on um, one of your products or services. Make sure they're easily shareable. Click to tweet in blog posts is a great way um, to encourage people to share your post because you can link back to that post um, on Twitter through whatever it is you're clicking to tweet. Pin it buttons. Make sure that pin it buttons are on your blog or on your um, shop. If you aren't enabling those, man, you're missing out on a bunch of traffic because people will pin it and those pins will live forever and, um, and drive traffic back to your website. So make sure that you're making it easy for others to share. 11, utilize feed readers like Bloglovin. Um, 
I get a lot of questions about Bloglovin, and it's funny to me because with Bloglovin, you don't have to do a thing, and it continues to drive traffic to your website. So sites like Feedly and Bloglovin, all you have to do is make sure your blog is on there, that um, you're connecting to your RSS feed, and people who are following along with your blog on Bloglovin or Feedly, every time they log in, they'll see when a new post from you has gone up. Um, so it's a great way to remind people about your blog, um, and it's so, so incredibly easy. So for example, I hadn't looked at Bloglovin in a very long time because it kind of just runs on its own. If y'all can see here, I can make this a little bit bigger. I have close to 11,000 followers on Bloglovin without doing a single thing. People can like and save my posts on there. They can even comment. And so my blog is getting exposure to 11,000 people every time I post a new blog post and I do nothing because every time I post, it sees that I post and it just pulls that content right into Bloglovin. It's so easy. Um, so if you aren't doing that, do it. I also link to Bloglovin in my sidebar just to make it easier for people to, to follow along there if they want to. Um, but that's an easy way to get more traffic. And number 12, answer questions from Facebook groups and forums. This is key, and I'm surprised more people aren't doing this. Um, these are great for content ideas for you to write about on your blog, and then once you've written about them, you can link back to them in your posts. So search Facebook groups that are relevant to your industry and pay attention to the questions people are asking. If people are asking those questions, they're not the only ones asking those questions, and you know that there's an interest in that topic already. So write about it, answer their questions, and then go back and link to your post where you can share a more in-depth answer to that question. So for example, I just got on the Squarespace help forum quickly, and this was one of the first things that popped up. How can I insert a custom font into a description gallery slideshow? I don't necessarily know how to do that, but if I did, I should write a blog post on it because you can see that 27 people, I can make this a little bit bigger, um, 27 people are following this question they, you can follow along with questions on help forums, and that zero people have replied to it. And so if I wrote a blog post on this topic and replied to it, those 27 people are going to be notified. Now, 27 isn't that many. There are other posts um, on Squ the Squarespace forum that have, like, thousands of people following along with it and hardly any replies that actually work or answer people's questions. And so maybe for you it isn't Squarespace. Your business has nothing to do with that. But look at other forums and Facebook groups and see what people are asking and write content on it. Um, that's an easy way to start driving traffic and becoming known um, as an expert on that topic. And hopefully, once they go back to your site, they'll find other content because you've designed your site well, you've made your archives easily accessible, they'll stay there longer, become more familiar with it, and return to your site later. Um, so those are my 12 proven strategies. I see that questions are coming in. I want to leave enough time to answer them. Um, I know I focused a lot on blogging, but I cannot stress enough just how helpful it is for driving traffic to your website. If your traffic, if your website stays there unchanged week after week, month after month, you're not going to see much, much site traffic at all because you're not giving people a reason to come back. All right, let's dive into these questions. Okay. 
um, Fem Creations asks, what are some of the most key metrics to focus on Google Analytics to track website traffic? Oh yeah, so tracking website traffic. Um, I love using Google Analytics to, to track my site traffic. Squarespace has some metrics on there that are very pretty to look at. They're much prettier than Google Analytics. Google Analytics goes much more in-depth. Um, I was just looking at, at mine today. It had been a while since I looked. And some of the key things that I focus on are the number of unique visitors and the number of unique page views and then the overall number of page views. Um, actually, the thing that I look at the most is the number of unique visitors. And for me, my goal is to get to 100,000 unique visitors. Um, and so I would, I would encourage you to look at your metrics and start to set goals for yourself um, and, and keep track of Google Analytics. I would check in maybe once a week, at least once a month. Um, I have an assistant of mine who has a Google spreadsheet, and she just goes in at least once a month and tracks the metrics so that we can easily see growth um, from there, but I would focus on page views and unique visitors. You can also look at your referral traffic, so that's really helpful to see what's actually working. If you go to audience, you can see the referrals and where where traffic is coming from. So maybe it's coming from social media, and you know that you're doing a good job there, um, or that you're getting you know a lot of people are sharing your content, which is awesome. Um, you might see that a certain blog or a certain website linked to one of your posts or one of your pages, um, and that's really helpful to know. So referral traffic is great for seeing what's actually working um, in driving traffic back to your website. So that's what I would focus on, page views, unique visitors, and referral traffic. Great question. Um, Rachel said, do you mind sharing how many monthly page views did you have when you had a waiting list of 250 plus prospective clients? Um, I had about 100,000 page views at that time, not 100,000 unique visitors. Um, but at the peak, it was well over 100,000 for me um, when all those clients were coming in. So it just goes to show that an increase in site traffic will bring in more prospective clients and customers. Um, and blogging was the way to make that happen. Just going to throw that out there for you all again. Um, Amy asks, why do I need a blog if I have a product website and I'm adding new products weekly? Great question. Even though you're adding new products weekly, you're, you're not giving people an incentive to come week after week. So they might want to come and see new products if they're diligently following along with your business, but chances are they aren't going to buy every week. And so when you, I don't know exactly what your products are, Amy, if you want to comment on that and let me know, but just for example, if you have um, an online boutique and you're selling clothes, if you had a blog and you shared not only whenever you have new products that people could follow along on feed readers and easily share that content on social media and on Pinterest. Um, but you also shared things like outfit ideas and um, you can get really creative with the content. You're giving people more of a reason to come back, how to style a certain um, piece that you have in your shop. Um, you're giving people a reason to come back. If you have something like digital products and you're using your site um, to share how to customize them or how to make them their own or how to implement them, you're going much further in providing value and giving people more of an incentive to buy than just your sales page. So blogging um, is a great organic way to sell your products and services and show people the value in it 
um, and give people a reason to come back. So it works for product-based businesses too. Um, Laura said, with regard to Facebook Live, what if you don't have many followers yet? Do you suggest just doing it anyway as good practice? Yes, um, I would definitely suggest doing it that way. I think even Facebook can be really finicky. So I have a fairly big following on Facebook, not really not, I have, a, I think it's like 6,000 followers, but my reach to them, I it doesn't, um, yeah, I'm not getting as much reach as I would like. So Facebook can be finicky. Um, I'm trying to do more Facebook Live events because those pop up easier in people's feeds. So go ahead and do it. Um, start setting that standard with Facebook Live. Live video is the direction everything is heading. And so um, go ahead and jump on it and start building that engagement with your audience. Also, um, I think it was Amy who just asked the question that I answered a moment ago about why blog if you have products too. Something that I told Rob, um, that barber who was trying to sell his products, was that um, especially for wholesale, writing for wholesalers um, too. So instead of just trying to get one or two sales coming in um, from people, from individual customers, you can attract wholesalers through blogging too. So that's another reason. Um, what is a backlink and how do you promote them? Shakir asks. Um, a backlink is someone linking back to you to your blog post. Um, and how you promote them is having really good content. Um, I've built backlinks over the years just from people sharing. Backlinks don't necessarily, I mean, they don't really count social media posts, but if other people link to a post on another blog or another website, that's considered a backlink. Um, you, a lot of people recently, and I'm not suggesting that you do this, they reach out to other bloggers and say, hey, I saw that you wrote this post, and I have a blog post that would help people, or I have a product that is related to it. Will you link to me from that post? I don't suggest doing that. I get emails like that all the time, and I end up ignoring it because it just feels very salesy. Um, I'm not a fan of that. So a lot of people try to get backlinks that way. I stick to just having really great content because when people find it, they're going to want to link to it. If they found it helpful, they're going to want to link to it and, and share it with other, um, with their followers too. Um, so that's how I would go about it. Definitely don't email people and ask them to put backlinks in their posts. Shakira also asks, do you have a way, do you know of a way to incorporate a blog sidebar on Squarespace with a theme that doesn't have one included? No. Um, but I'll, I'll write that down because I meet with a coder often. I'm actually meeting with her after this L chat and she's a wizard when it comes to things like that. Um, a lot of the Squarespace templates do have a blog sidebar now. Um, and that's one of the things that I suggest when you're looking for a template on Squarespace to make sure that that is an option there. Um, and check just in case you're, template has one, but it's not turned on, you can turn it on in the style editor um, in, right in Squarespace too. So I'll keep you posted on that, Shakira. That's something I've been wondering for a long time now too. Tracy says, if blogging is so important to increase traffic to the site, would you recommend the blog be the homepage on the site so that there's always something new quickly when people come back? 
I don't think it necessarily needs to be the home page. Mine was the home page for a while, but I do think that you should link to it from the home page. So maybe you have a section on the home page where um, you um, share new blog posts right there. So that's how I would go about it. Um, yeah. I wouldn't necessarily make it the homepage because the homepage is a great opportunity to introduce exactly what it is you do and um, get people to sign up for your list right there too. But definitely link to it and um, share new blog posts at the bottom of the homepage or somewhere on the blog or somewhere on the homepage. Maria says, what if you have two different target audiences? I'm a business coach for graphic designers and I also sell premium level branding packages. Which advice should I target in my blogging or should I target both audiences? Thank you very much. This is interesting because I'm kind of in a similar boat where I have coaching services for um, a lot of designers, not just designers. But I also have courses geared toward online business owners, which seems very um, similar to you, and I have design services. I think those audiences overlap a lot. And so I think that the more that you share about your branding packages and your processes and things like that, the more you're going to attract graphic designers because they're going to see that what you're doing is actually working. Um, so I don't think that those are two distinctly different ones. I think that there's a lot of overlap there. I would primarily focus on your branding packages um, and content that you can create for that, and you're automatically going to attract some graphic designers who see what you're doing, see that you do it well, and want the coaching. Um, Minnie says, what should a first blog look like? Should it be a personal introduction or an introduction to the products on my site? My online store is all about handcrafted accessories, fashion, and home. I get this question a lot. Um, I think that you should just hit the ground running with helpful content. I don't think you need an introductory post because if I'm being perfectly honest, that is the post that the least amount of people are going to see and read because it's the oldest post on your site. So just go ahead and dive into content. Your personal introduction or your introduction to products on your site should be your about page. So people can easily find that there, see what your site is all about. You don't need to say, here's what I'm going to blog about. Just go ahead and blog about it. Um, that would be my advice. I, I know I started off with an introductory post. Um, if you really, really hunt in the Ellen Company archives, you can probably find it. But I, if I could go back and do it differently, I would just dive right into content. Um, so that would be my suggestion, Minnie. Selena says, what are some changes, what changes did your barber friend implement to promote and sell his products online? So we just met a couple weeks ago. I left him with, here are, uh, and his, you could tell he was like drinking from a fire hydrant <laughs> because I was throwing so much at him that he hadn't heard before. Um, and so we left it as he should not put as much emphasis on that community blog that he started. Um, maybe start a second blog right on his site. Um, not on a separate site, but right on his site that will attract wholesalers and share how, share about his products, share about, um, and, and also in trying to attract wholesalers and trying to attract businesses that are going to sell his products. Um, he needs to share about how he grew his barbershop. If, if he's trying to attract other barbershops, um, he needs to tell about how he's, He's killing it here. Um, so that's kind of where we left it. Um, 
and I'm going to check back in with him shortly. I'll keep you posted on his progress. Um, but it hasn't been that long at all that we met up, Selena. Maria said, I would also love to know how to add a blog sidebar to one that doesn't include it. I will definitely keep you posted on that. And I think um, Judea in the comments said she uses a plugin for a sidebar on the, on the Brine template. So that's something to look into. She put a link there too. But I will keep you posted on that. And Dara asks, how do you determine when a blog is ready to post? Preventing over-processing, over-editing, etc. That is a great question because I am very much a perfectionist and feel like it's never fully done. Um, and I bet a lot of you who are tuning in can, can definitely relate to that. Um, I usually outline the post. I have my whole process, which you can find on the blog. Um, I outline it first, and then I go through and, and write it. And um, I just pass it off to right away. As soon as I'm done writing it, I don't even look at it again anymore. Um, pass it off to one of my assistants who edits it, and it goes straight up. Um, years ago, I would have sat there and reread it and thought about how I could have said things differently, and it would take me forever. Um, you don't have the time for that. I don't have the time for that. And so I usually write a first draft. Maybe you set it to the side for a day, come back to it, reread it, make round of edits, and then put it up. Um, to not overthink it and not prevent yourself from sticking to a blog schedule. Um, so that would be my suggestion. Write it, set it aside, come back to it, edit it once, and then set it, set it live um, to not overthink it too much. All great questions. Answered 12 that came in. Um, if y'all have any other questions that you come across, and it's after this webinar is already over, if you're watching the replay, if you're tuning into the podcast, um, I'd invite you to hop on over to the Ellen Company Community Facebook group um, and ask your questions there. Um, I love this Facebook group. I was never a huge fan of Facebook groups. This one, I put the link in the comment section here if you're not already a part of it. People ask some great questions in there, have some really great feedback. Um, so I would suggest going ahead and asking to be a part of it. I'll go ahead and accept you. Um, I try to keep tabs on that often. And you can ask questions there. Um, I might even start a, you know, a conversation on this LChat so we can carry the conversation over there. Uh, but it it's awesome to be a part of that community. I get a lot out of it. I hope that y'all do too. Um, and next week's L Chat, I'm going to be talking about these weekly webinars. I know a lot of you may have either hosted a, a webinar in the past or sat in on a webinar that tried to sell at the end. They provide a lot of great content and then they try to sell you at the end and it feels really salesy and as an attendee you might feel a little bit manipulated. I don't know. I think webinars um, get a bad rap and I don't see many people who are doing a weekly webinar series and I can tell you that these weekly L chats, I've been doing them for a year and a half now, maybe over a year and a half, have completely transformed my business. Um, and there's so many benefits that I didn't think about necessarily at the outset, but I've come across um, week after week of doing these. And I want, I want you to consider hosting a weekly webinar series yourself. So I'm going to be sharing about all of those benefits and how um, 
These weekly webinars can transform your business for the better, whether it's repurposing content, building your list. I'm not gonna give it all away right now, but I'm gonna drop the link to that if you wanna go ahead and register in the comment section. Um, for those of you who are listening or tuning in after the fact, you can always find upcoming L chats on ellencompanydesign.com slash L chat, and you can sign up there. Um, and all the show notes go live on Tuesdays too. So if there were any links or you want to go return back to this webinar or any of the slides, you can find them on the blog every Tuesday. So this upcoming Tuesday um, or Monday, we've been posting them on Monday. Um, I forgot about that. Monday on the blog so you can find it there. Um, thank you all so much for tuning in today. I hope that this has been helpful for increasing your traffic. Keep me posted on how it goes. Um, I'd love to get feedback from y'all. But I hope to see you in another L Chat very soon. Have a great week. Bye, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in to the L Chat podcast. For show notes, a replay of the original live stream, slides, and more, head on over to ellencompanydesign.com slash L Chat. Hope you'll join in again soon.